Hello there. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today, we are speaking with Zach Douglas, North American Product Manager at Clean Air Scandinavia. He is responsible for U.S. product management, including moving the company's supply chain from Europe to North America and scaling the company to meet rapid growth. Prior to that role, he worked as an operational excellence manager for Outdoor Living based in Columbus, Ohio, and ran his own Wikipedia consulting company. Zach received his bachelor's degree in industrial and systems engineering at The Ohio State University and is certified Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. Zach, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Let's start with a brief history of Clean Air since its founding in 1988 and your role at the company. Sure. How did you support, or how do you support manufacturing clients in, in particular? I mean, how did they engage your company in, in order to become ISO compliant? Yeah, so to give you a little bit of a history about the company from uh, 1988, it was started by a uh, fireman in Sweden. He was trying to protect people from secondhand smoke. That turned into uh, simple air filtration, which turned into smoking cabins, which you don't see in the U.S. at all. Uh, but they're actually still really big in Eastern Europe and uh, really all over Europe and Japan. Uh, it's still a huge product for us globally. Uh, if you take the fan and filter in a smoking cabin and flip it around, you have the beginnings of a clean room. That's where you're, instead of taking air from inside the room and filtering it and pushing it outside, you're taking air from outside of the room, filtering it and pushing it inside and separating the two areas. So that was where we got into clean rooms. Uh, from there, we got more into what we call facility solutions, which is just general air filtration. So if someone needs smoke uh, filtered from an area or diesel fumes or any anything filtered from an area, we have an expertise and a product that can do that. Um, so as far as uh, supporting manufacturing firms, uh, a lot of the companies that we engage in, we find. Um, we It's a really big industry. Uh, there are a lot of options out there. Uh, for instance, there's a stick-built clean room and then a modular clean room. Those are sort of the two main categories you'll see. Stick-built clean rooms will be built by manufacturer by uh, construction companies, uh, whereas we build a modular room in our warehouse and then bring it on site and build it in when, whatever space you have. Like in this room, we could build a, a clean room. So the construction companies a lot of times see clean rooms as sort of a you know, we're going to use different materials on the walls and ceilings and floors, which can give you a decent clean room. But we feel that the modular option is much better. So a lot of companies don't even know what kind of options are out there. So it's really important for us to be engaging with potential customers and people who have clean rooms or might need a clean room in the future and making sure they understand what our option is and what modular options are. Um, th I'd say that's probably the main way that we, we engage. Do you find some industries are, are much more in, in tune with uh, the needs than, than others? I mean, which ones do you work with the most? Yeah. So typically where you're going to see clean rooms the most is where there's some type of regulation that's requiring it. Uh, so, for instance, pharmaceuticals is a huge industry that, that you need clean rooms. Uh, and that'll be anything from... You'll see some very small clean rooms in like a CVS pharmacy. Uh, it's pretty rare in, in uh, retail pharmacies, what they're referred to. But in a outpatient or inpatient facility, um, 
where they're doing infusions. So if you're having some medication pumped into your bloodstream through an IV bag, they will have a clean room somewhere nearby or some supplier nearby that has a clean room that's producing that for them. Um, so outside of the pharmacy world, uh, you'll see it in anything where products, people, and processes need to be protected from any kind of airborne contaminant or hazardous material. So we'll see it in optics, um, manufacturing of pills, manufacturing pill bottles, um, anything like uh, making prosthetic limbs or implants uh, specifically. Uh, we'll see those kind of things uh, needing a clean room. But typically the FDA or the CDC is going to say you need a clean room to do this process. And that's where we come in. Uh, what are the best practices? I mean, have you seen um, you know, uh, certain uh, use cases where the, the manufacturers are making the best use of the clean room? Hmm. Outside of pharmacy, I would probably say... Um, we have a, a recent contract in, in Sweden where they're producing, uh, it's some sort of collection devices for collecting different types of cells. Um, they're producing those items in a clean room and packaging them in a clean room so that when they are used, they're not contaminating any of these cells. So they're getting the purest form of whatever product they need. Uh, that's, that's where really a clean room is going to give you the best product. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, what are some of the most common problems companies have with instituting and managing clean room technologies? Yeah, yeah. I'd say probably the first one is is just having a well-working clean room. Uh, you can find anybody that can say, yeah, I can build a clean room. I can make this a this room that we're in be a very clean room. I can put HEPA filtration in it. They don't really understand airflow or some of these best practices that you'll see from USP or the FDA or CDC. And you'll end up with a room that maybe worked for a couple months or a year, but then not only do regulations change, but some of those components may wear down and then your clean room's not so clean anymore. So what we tell people is look upstream. You wanna find someone that is designing a really well-built and designed uh, clean room. And that's that's what we offer is, is something that can let you meet whatever regulations you need to for a very long time. And you know I'm going to ask this question. Sure. Have you received more requests for clean rooms since COVID-19 took hold? We, we have and we haven't. So the pharmacy world it went into a little bit of a I wouldn't call it a lockdown, but it's maybe more the hospitals really needed. They weren't really super interested in making immediate uh, large capital purchases. So we saw a lot of projects go sort of um, in pharmacy. In the pharmacy world, we saw a lot of projects going into sort of a limbo. Outside of the pharmacy world, globally, we saw a huge increase in the need for clean rooms. Uh, we saw that in largely in Europe with the manufacturing of medical devices that need a clean room for their manufacturing. Um, we also, in Ohio, uh, cannabis has, has been a, a booming industry in the last maybe year uh, since, I, I can't remember exactly when it was uh, legalized, but mm -hmm. um, test labs need, they do testing with machinery that is highly sensitive to microbes in the air 
So if they're saying how clean a product is, they want to make sure they're not, you know, contaminating that test with air from around it. So that's an industry where we're seeing a lot of interest from. Um, yeah, it's hard, hard to tell exactly how that's going to go, but that's, that's definitely another uh, interest area. What technologies in clean rooms have uh, surfaced over the past few years? Um, any case studies you're allowed to share? I mean, has clean air been involved in, uh, I mean, what kind of novel uses or installations has, has clean air been involved in? Sure. Yeah, I would say one of the most interesting installations that we're a part of right now is a major university in the U.S. Uh, they have a very large clean room. It was built about 20 years ago. They cannot afford to shut it down. They cannot afford to to rebuild a new clean room in a new space. It's not the, the money, it's the space. So we have come up with a multi-phased way to basically build a clean room within their clean room while they're still operating in it, which is, uh, we're really excited to do it. I have full confidence that we can 100% execute on this project, but it's, it's a problem that a lot of hospitals have and the options to get around it are incredibly expensive. And we, we really think this might be something that we can do more often for more hospitals. So that's with no downtime? Uh, it'll be a couple days. Wow. Which, yeah. They're, they're basically, between all, the, all of the different phases, I think probably five days that they won't be able to compound, which for this particular one, they have a lot of clean rooms in the vicinity. So a couple days is no big deal. But, you know, six months to a year, which is the life, you know, the, the life cycle of a lot of these projects, that's no go. So, oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, other technologies, uh, Matterport is a uh, 3D scanning software, um, you know, with an iPhone 12 or maybe a 13. You can actually go into your house or anywhere, any indoor environment and scan around the room and take pictures. And Matterport will use those to build a 3D model of that area. It's actually incredibly accurate. It's really amazing. So you, what you end up with is a sort of a Google Street view of clean room of a clean room. That's our use for it. Uh, you can make notes in within that model and say, you know, this is where we do this special thing in our clean rooms that no one else does. Um, we use that for sales and marketing, but the other thing it's being used for is those same models we're creating of our clean rooms, uh, our customers are able to use, use those for training. So they can go and say, this particular bench has to be cleaned once a week, and here's a video of what it looks like to clean it, uh, and it's attached right in that tag. They can then show their new employees what that looks like uh, without ever having to go in the clean room, which Going in, the, going in a clean room ever is not ideal. You, you want to go in it as few times as possible to keep any kind of buyer burden out of the clean room. So being able to give our customers a way to train their staff on how to use the room without having to go in it is really been, been a huge plus. Um, the, the other technology we're working on right now is uh, the aseptic technique, which is the process of compounding a drug uh, safely so you're not contaminating it with anything. That uh, is a really big uh, part of pharmacies. It's something they monitor a lot. Uh, it's something that they train on 
extensively uh, and repeatedly over time. They have to uh, go through different uh, continuing education for that kind of process. We are using cameras in our room uh, and working with a, a major um, pharmacy school here in the U.S. Uh, to develop a algorithm that will allow pharmacies to view people um, in the aseptic, aseptic technique and sort of grade how well they're, they're performing. So not only will our continuous monitoring system say uh, the temperature's too high or the pressure's not where it needs to be, um, it will also say this drug, uh, this dosage was compounded by this person and uh, the compound, the aseptic process was good or bad. Yeah, I've seen a lot of linkages to uh, some of the manufacturers I visited, and they yeah. use those video technologies to great effect. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's actually really interesting. Not only is it very interesting, it's actually sort of interesting how easy it can be to develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's switch uh, uh, a little bit over to where. Um, where you started out, of course, since you get, you went to Ohio State, I have to ask the question um, sure. about your career pathway and, you know, how do you, you um, I mean, what do you think about, you know, your degree from Ohio State in industrial systems, industrial systems engineering and how that prepared you for the career pathway you've taken? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any engineers listening, uh, I'm probably going to make them mad and say, by saying that industrial engineers are the best engineers. That's okay. <laughs> They So as an industrial engineer, what I love about it so much is I really like solving problems. And I think any engineer will tell you that's one of their main drives in their job. What industrial engineering brings is sort of a big, big picture look at bigger problems. So engineers who are listening right now, they have been asked before, can you solve this problem? And their answer in their head is yes for like $10 million way more than you're looking to spend and then having to explain to someone like yeah i can solve that problem but that's not really a good solution or it's maybe not the solution you're really looking for that's where an industrial engineer can come in and, and understand as much as you know a pe or mechanical engineer who's a genius like we have two mechanical engineers um tony tickner and lucas fernald that are they're geniuses they're so good at what they do I don't need to be the greatest mechanical engineer, but I can work with them to make sure that our customer's voice is being heard in our engineering department. So if a customer is saying, I really don't like the way this door opens, I know what I can talk to our mechanical engineers and say, you know, our customers don't like how this door opens and this is a solution that I think would work. Uh, And that's how we find a best solution that doesn't make our product cost 10 times as much as everyone else. Uh, and, and then working with our operations staff, our director of operations right now, Jessica Holmes, is she's amazing what she does. She's better at running operations than I could be. So bringing her solutions where her team can actually build these rooms in a reasonable amount of time for a reasonable amount of money um, and with that it's repeatable uh, it's, and it's sustainable. That's where an industrial engineer, where we've been taught about more of the operations of a big picture uh, and how, but enough about 
you know, standard mechanical engineering, where we can apply scientific methods to find the best solutions for these problems that are overarching. Um, that's what I really love about industrial engineering and why I think it's so awesome. Um, you know, Amy Allstott and uh, um, Ted Allen uh, were, were really great uh, at, at teaching that. That's, that's something that's um, applying scientific methods to real-world situations to find real solutions and not just the best solution for a test or for a short-sighted question. I'm sure they'll be happy that you gave them props. <laughs> yeah. And uh, any uh, advice that you would give uh, a new graduate in engineering? Uh, be bold. Uh, don't be afraid to try to put yourself out there and solve problems that are scary or can't be can't be solved easily. Uh, realize sort of where your knowledge and expertise ends and where others can can they have much more expertise and knowledge and where working with other people and uh, coming to a consensus and realizing that people with wildly different backgrounds and educations from you have wildly valuable things to bring to the table. And if you're, you're bold and try to bring all those people together and do great things, I, I really think you can, um, yeah. Yeah, well put. And I think you've touched on this before uh, with some of the new technologies. Uh, I'd like to know what's next for clean air. Yeah, yeah. So about two years ago, um, we went public. We had our, our uh, initial public offering. Uh, since then, we've we've been growing really steadily. Um, I think that the sort of core value of what we do, which is filtering things, I think that we, I, looking at the rest of the industry, I think we do that better than anyone. And I think that we have the ability to continue doing that better than anyone in any environment. So I can't talk a lot about where we're going <laughs> quite yet, but but that's uh, that we're, one I can't talk about is uh, the facility solutions is, is new to the United States. Uh, we've brought over a unit called the, the FS70. It is a, it's using an H14 filter, which is basically much more, it's a pharmacy grade filter. Uh, it's much better than what you'd see in like say a HEPA vacuum or something like that, mm -hmm. or a Home Depot uh, air filter. So that's something that, that we're, we're getting into more uh, is uh, sort of an industrial solution for air filtration. Um, the filters we use do filter COVID and a lot of other bacteria and viruses. So I'd love to get those into uh, Ohio State's locker rooms. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, right? um, anywhere, uh, anywhere you have a congregation of people, uh, improving indoor, indoor air quality uh, is a really big deal. And it's something that COVID has obviously brought to the forefront of a lot of health discussions and offices and warehouses. Um, any environment where you find congregations of people, which is obviously almost everywhere. So that's, that's something that we're really looking to put science to and, and look at, uh, look at 
so we joke that uh, like where's where do you think the cleanest place in the hospital is? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the a lot of people would say the operating room. It's definitely not. Mm-hmm. It is by f- almost every single time will be the pharmacy. So bringing these technologies into other parts of the hospital to reduce hospital acquired infections, surgical site infections, that's something that we really want to get into. Well, best of luck on that. And thank you, Zach, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you.